You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today we are on episode 190. Uh, we're in the middle of January, so hope all of you are doing well, staying safe, and uh, staying warm. I know in our neck of the woods, it's it's quite chilly this time of year, but uh, it'll be spring before we know it. So anyhow, in today's episode, we are going to talk about detecting a toxic mold concern from start to finish. This is something that's probably one of the most common things that I deal with when I when people reach out to me, just send an email like, hey, how do we know this is mold? Do we, What do we do? Do we call an inspector? Do we get a mitigation company? Um, it's something that we deal with often. Um, I deal with it a lot of times too when I do VPAs, uh, my virtual property assessments. And, you know, because the point of that is, is to determine what our next steps are going to be. But it's something that's, you know, for me that, that I do it all the time, every day. I, you know, do a lot of education things, you know, with this podcast and my courses and stuff like that. So for me, it seems like it's just a simple, well, yeah, it's mold. How, you know, how would you not think that that's mold? And I, I tend to forget that not everybody does what I do. You know, we're all specialists at what we do in, in our day-to-day -day jobs. But sometimes... You know, it is tough to know. You know, if you can't see any visible mold, but you think you you have mold sickness symptoms, it's difficult because you you do feel like, you know, especially if your significant other, other people in the household don't, aren't experiencing any mold sickness, they kind of look at you like you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And that's, you know, it's it's tough, especially when you're the only one in the home that really believes that you've got something going on. So, 
that's why it comes up very often. Like, how do we know, you know, if it's a mold concern? So one thing we talk about a lot that, that, and this is the education side of me is, is one of the biggest things when it comes to mold is mold prevention. And so I get asked all the time, like, what's the first sign that there's a mold concern? Well, well before you probably see it or smell it is elevated humidity levels. We, we talked last week about building mold-resistant homes, and we, we talked a lot about ventilation. And so lack of ventilation will lead to elevated humidity levels. Hopefully, you guys and gals are taking my advice and you have humidity gauges throughout your home. That's something that's very important to monitor that humidity. Because that is, in my opinion, after the moisture intrusion event, that's the first sign that even if you don't know there's a leak behind the wall, that should tell you, hey, the humidity's high in here, there's something going on. That's the check engine lights, what I, I like to refer to that to. Another thing that typically would be one of the first signs of a mold concern, once again, beyond the moisture intrusion event, and I didn't really tap into that because typically that's what has to happen to elevate the humidity. But the next thing that's going to happen once you have that moisture intrusion event is water stains. That's something that a lot of people, especially like I remember, I remember when I was in school, uh, I remember, you know, when you're bored and you're staring up at the ceiling, you notice water stains on those ceiling tiles. A lot of you that, that have to work in office, um, inside office buildings, you probably notice like you go into the break room and this this section of the ceiling, the, the water stain was, you know, six inches by six inches in area. And then it's now it's, you know, it's spread to four or five different tiles. So those water stains is another indication that, hey, there's something going on. And one thing is when it comes to those water stains is it's, it's easy to just ignore that. But on the other hand, you can't ignore it forever. Something's causing that. And typically if it's a water stain... It's not a lack of ventilation. It obviously is something's leaking. And that's a big difference too, you know, when you have ventilation concerns versus, you know, something that's leaking, the signs are going to be different. But with both of them, you're going to have elevated humidity levels. That's always going to happen. Mold has to have, not ideally, it has to have 60% humidity. And I'm sure some of you that live in places like Florida um, or wherever it's humid, you're like, well, it's humid here all the time. So that's normal. Well, the way our homes are built these days and with forced air systems and ventilation, your humidity inside your home should not normally be what it is outside. So, you know, I know around here, our average humidity is about 30 to 40%. Um, if you have high humidity at home, we know for sure there's something major going on. But if you do live in a humid area, it shouldn't be that high. And if it is, and it's natural, you have no defects that are leading to that elevated humidity, you do need to make sure you have dehumidifiers in your home. And I touched on that and said, make sure you know it's not a defect. Because putting dehumidifiers in a home just to keep the humidity down, if you have a water leak or some sort of defect, at some point it's going to metastasize and turn into something major. So, um, I just want to be clear with our listeners that do live in humid climates that inside a building, um, and I say buildings that are built to standards since probably the 70s or 80s, 
shouldn't have high humidity. So what happens? So you're like, okay, Steve, we get it. You know, you're telling us, you know, humidity stuff and water stains. But what if we actually see something that looks like mold growth? And that would be classified from a mold specialist perspective as a viable mold infestation. It's active growth. How do we know for sure that is mold? Because a lot of times, you know, when the mold is viable and it's active, it's got a nice fuzzy texture to it. You know, you can, you can tell. Um, but when it's not viable, so it's in a non-viable state, I usually use the term dormant just because people understand that better. When it's in a, in a non-viable state, that mold infestation is not going to be nice and fuzzy and you can tell that it's not viable. It goes into, it, once it goes into the dormant state, it's pretty much could be classified as discoloration. So how do you know if it's mold or if it's just discoloration? You know, you could, you could have building materials, let's just say floor joists, that when they were on the job site, they got ran over by a piece of equipment, so it's just black. How do you know the difference between that and mold? The the best way, and pretty much in my opinion, the only way would be to call an inspector or a mold tester and have that that section of you know whatever it is, your crawl space or attic or unfinished basement, have it inspected and tested. I know if you guys have listened and gals, if you've listened to me long enough, you understand that when when we do inspections or VPAs, we cannot call something mold. I have to term it as a mold-like substance or suspected mold. And the reason why is because I'm not a microbiologist. And from a legal perspective and liability perspective, if I if I look at something and I call it mold and then it's tested and we find out it's just discoloration, that's a huge liability for, for CNC contractor services. So don't be surprised when your mold specialist says, I can't technically call it mold, but we know it's mold. Um, the only way we know that is, is we have to do a sample. Uh, we've talked about sampling methods and you know what needs to be done, so I'm not going to dive deep into that. But we would literally, if you called me and said, hey, Steve, I'm not sure. We just noticed it. Um, I don't have any pictures to show that it was, you know, it, there was no stains or discoloration on it. How do we know? I would say you would have to do a tape lift. And that's literally, you know, the way we do it as professionals is we have little slides and it's called biotape is the term I use. But it's literally like a little slide, a, a glass slide that you use in, in science class it's got a piece of, of tape on it. You literally pull off that cover and you press it against the building material you think has mold on it. We put that back in its case. We ship it off to the lab. The lab does an analysis. They get back to me and they say, yes, you know, it has these mold types in it or no mold detected. So that's how you know for sure. And one thing that's very important that you've got to realize is going back to, we've talked about it before, as far as mold testing, you have to have a mold inspection done when you do mold testing. Now, if you think you have a mold concern and you know for sure you didn't have any discoloration in this area of your home, do you need a mold inspection and mold testing? 
probably not to to go to the mitigation phase. I would typically say it's got to go to the mitigation step. But keep in mind, when we do mitigation, we have to go out and do an estimate. When I do an estimate, I do a full mold inspection. And so my point is, is for the most part, and I'm not saying all mitigation companies do it, but you've got to have a full mold inspection anyways before you do mitigation or to do the estimate. The reason behind that is, is we want to know what's causing the mold. We want to make sure that that defect's addressed. Another concern we have and the reason, in my opinion, you've got to do the inspection is let's just say you call and you, you want a, a, an estimate for me to deal with some mold down in your crawl space. We can go in, we can mitigate all that mold. We can pass the air test, which once again, there's not technically a pass or fail, but we can say it's acceptable mold levels. We could have a mold concern in a bathroom or in your kitchen that we didn't know about. And then when we did air testing, we find out, man, there's something else going on. So that's why we do the inspection with the estimate. We want to make sure we're covering everything. We want to make sure there's not a mold concern in the attic, the bathrooms, anywhere else. So if you're getting a bid and you have a mitigation company come out, I would hope that they're going to do a full inspection to make sure that they're covering everything. Um, so to backtrack a little bit, um, if, if you were to hire a mold inspector and you wanted all your testing done, what happens next? So, you know, they come in, they do the tape lift on something that you're not sure if it's discoloration. What's the ne next step? Well, I just said it's mitigation. Who who should you hire for the mitigation? Do you do you call your buddy up who who what I call is a weekend warrior contractor? You know he works a, another job, um, and but on the weekends, you know he's built a a small shed or he's maybe added on to his home, but he just kind of does it, you know, on the side. Is that the person to call? Of course, I would say no. Um, if somebody is a general contractor and they do this. For building for a living, are they the right people to call? Nothing against the general contractors, but I would say no. And it's it's not because they don't know what they're doing, but from a, a mold specialist perspective, do they see what we see? Do they follow the protocols we follow? As a certified mold mitigation company and mold mitigation technician, we have certifications and we have standards we have to meet. So does that mean that, that a contractor can't do that? No, but they're just not aware of those standards. And it's no different than when I, I tell people all the time, we're going to be, CNC contractor services is going to cost more than most, especially a, a general contractor, more than most mitigation companies. And it's not because we just like to charge you more money. It's because as a company, we go above and beyond what our standards state for mold mitigation. And we do that because we want to make sure that you're getting the mitigation done properly. We don't we don't just come in and, and spray things and run an air scrubber, ozone machine, and you know hope that we're gonna pass the post-mitigation testing. We we have very detailed steps we take, and there are a lot of them. And it it includes obviously spraying chemicals, but that's not the only thing we do. You you have to remove the mold spores. So Something that's very important when you're looking at mold mitigation is who you're going to hire. 
And if you're going to go with the cheapest company, that's the quality of work you're going to get. And, you know, as tough as it is, I have a lot of clients or potential clients that just say, hey, Steve, we're sorry. Like, you're 5000 more than the next guy. And I'm very clear with them. And I don't, it's no hard feelings. That's fine. You're, you're just going to get what you're paying for. And I hope that, that they do everything right. But typically, that company that's going to come in and, and do it for... 5,000 less, you know, we're going to charge 25,000. They only charge 20. They're probably not going to take all the steps we're taking. And once again, like I said, we're not charging you more just to, to make more money. We want to make sure that we're looking at for your best interest and the, the health of all the occupants in the home. So be careful when you're choosing a mold mitigation company. So another thing, when, when we talk about from start to finish with mold, once the mitigation's done, like, is everything done? You just say, hey, we're cool. You can put all the wall coverings back, put the bathroom, kitchen, whatever, back together. Is that the end? No, it's not, obviously. There's one of the important steps is post-mitigation air testing. And we do that. I, I've talked about testing methods. A lot of people... If you believe in the Ermi or Hurts Me methods, you're, you'll say air testing is not the way to go. And I agree for an overall assessment of a property, air testing alone is not. Um, but when you do post mitigation testing, you know, we don't do what I would normally do in a mold inspection and do tape lifts. Unless our client requests it, we don't do that. And the, the reason why is, is the tape lifts are designed to detect mold spores that are heavier, stickier molds that, let's say, land on top of a desk. Well, when we do mitigation, there is no desk in the room anymore. All of that stuff has been removed. Let's just say it's a crawl space and it was mold on the floor joist. The mold is removed. Uh, we take a bunch of pictures. It's treated. It's vacuumed with a HEPA vacuuming. There's a lot of steps we take. And we, like I said, take pictures throughout all those steps. So, in my opinion, there's no reason to do a tape lift because there's nothing there and we have pictures to back that up. So that's why, not to get off on that whole tape lift tangent, that's why when people say, well, air testing alone is not sufficient. In post-mitigation, in my opinion, it, it is that is what you would need to do. Tape lifting would be irrelevant because there are no... We don't leave desks, We everything's removed, furniture, everything, clothing, all that's taken care of by the mold mitigation technicians. So there's there's no chance of, you know, mold spores being left on top of a, a shelf. Even if, even if it's a shelf in a closet that's secured and we didn't remove it, we treat all those surfaces. So an air test, in my opinion, is the way to go. Now, when you do the air test, there isn't a pass or fail, keep that in mind. But we do that test inside of containment. We make sure that what we worked on, that we can say, hey, those are acceptable mold levels. So once again, from start to finish, you pretty much have to have a professional involved. And if you're not sure, then, you know, once again, we offer VPAs. You can call your local mold inspector, mold testers. Get a professional involved that deals with it every day, not you know, just a, a contractor that's looking for a weekend project. So what's our call to action? I want you to go after this is all done and just go into each one of your bathrooms. 
hopefully there's not a whole bunch, but even if there's seven bathrooms, go into each one and look for water stains um, and make sure that you don't have any suspected mold growing. So we touched on, if you're not sure what to do, I offer VPAs, the virtual property assessments, very reasonable price. It doesn't matter where you're located throughout the world. Uh, we do it over the internet. Uh, it's depending on the, the problems we run into, but it's about a two to three hour. Literally, it's a mold inspection with you behind the camera. So go to cnccontractorservices.com. You can go to our services under consultations. And like I said, it's a VPA. We can get you booked and take care of that. And you will know once we're done, should you call in a mitigation company or what your next steps are. So once again, thanks for listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com.